My Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Hey, welcome. Happy Friday and welcome to Sports Time Out, a podcast of the My Michelle Live podcast family. And I am delighted to take on this week. Oh, so much to talk about. We have football. This is a glorious time of the year for football. We have got Olympics right around the corner and a lot of controversy and stuff going on there. And so we's going to take it on. Let me introduce you to the fellas joining in the fun today. They are part of the My Michelle Live team. We've got the author of this book, which has almost nothing to do with sports, but everything to do with very cool uh, sci-fi adventure. It's amazing. Brent R. Baker. Author, photographer, Brent R. Baker. And then we have with us coach and pastor and chaplain and all around good guy, Garrick Payne. Get, co- Oops, get coach. Uh, 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 where's yours? There it is. Get ready to get <laughs> just said amen right and then of course we have the one and only wookie of the year joshua mcmillan he's our own sports authority you will hear him and other aspects from time to time on my michelle live as our man on the street guy joshua mcmillan can be found on twitter at josh reports live wookie of the year josh mcmillan Guys, it's time for sports. sports. <laughs> okay, don't Josh is muted. <laughs> Josh, where are you? You're muted. Yeah, sorry, guys. Can't talk. Too busy. <laughs> <laughs> new phone, he new desk. us with his presence, and that's okay. Hey, guys, uh, well, glad to have you with us today. Uh, here's where I want to start all the fun. Uh, with the Olympics. Uh-oh, wait, something's going wrong. Something's wrong there, and yeah, there kind of is. Oh, my gosh, the Olympics. <sighs> it's been, it, it's set to begin February 4th, and uh, it will be in Beijing, China, that's um, a problem because there's some real big issues coming out of China. Um, and there's a lot of issues surrounding the Olympics. And I'm going to go through a couple of things and I want to get your thoughts, guys. Um, it's being called surreal because the Olympic bubble of you get off the airplane, you're met with people in full hazmat, you're in a secured vehicle. There have been a lot of positive tests, only about a handful of actual athletes, but a lot of people, media people and associated help and coaches have been tested positive and they are carted off to secure undisclosed locations, uh, sometimes hospitals. Um, Athletes are warned to stay away from mentioning anything political there uh the uh, u.s olympic committee said you may not even want to bring your cell phones you're going to be spied on if you do say something they don't like you may be subject to a arrest and then there's the bigger issue of the human rights violations that china has been knee deep neck deep over their head in so a lot of folks, including the Uyghurs, um, the, the people represented by the Uyghurs, who over a million of them have been put in concentration camps, tortured, uh, systematically raped. Uh, they're saying, please don't watch the the Beijing games. Athletes who are very woke and outspoken are still going to the games. This is okay. I mean, they're the Olympics, but they're saying, okay, if the athletes won't go, people, please stop watching. All right, guys, you're kind of up to date. What say you? I have all kinds of flashback memories of the 1980, I believe it was, Olympics, um, when um, President, then President Jimmy Carter decided to boycott the Olympics. And, um, and there, there's a lot of similarities in terms of 
what is going on because it was a political decision to, to boycott. Now, this particular president that we have at the White House currently has decided not to boycott the Olympics, but diplomatically, kind of, they're, they're kind of trying to make a statement without making a statement, which is really doing nothing. But, you know, that there's there's all kinds of things that are happening in the world that that kind of parallel and mirror that that time in history. And it, it just is really unfortunate for the athletes. And we're, right now with what's going on with COVID and what's going on with China, the whole thing is just a big mess. And it's just like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I probably will still watch just because I want to support the athletes. Um, but I think it has just been handled poorly by Beijing. It's been handled poorly by Washington. It, it is just, uh, it, it's a mess. Josh? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've, I've said my piece on what I think about China and how things have been handled by people like the NBA and LeBron James a million and a half times now is that they care more about the money than, uh, than anything else. When it comes down to it, when it comes to down to like real human atrocity, um, it doesn't really matter unless the people that they're selling to think it's mattered or the people that are telling those people what matters, tell them it matters. And they don't. You know, you're not seeing a lot of coverage of those issues from most of mainstream media. So they don't care. And right. therefore, the money doesn't care. Therefore, it, it still happens. And it's it's silly. It just shows you how much of what our outrage is these days is just what we're told to be outraged about. Yeah, it's selective outrage. And it, indeed, it is. Um, we well saw said, Josh. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I, I think. Go ahead. You Brent. know, I, I'm kind of where Garrick is on this. I, I probably there will be specific things that I, I watch, but you know, it, there have been years past where it's like when the Olympics come on, it's just like if it's on and I'm near TV, I'm going to have it on the Olympics, and and that's not the case um, for me this time. But yeah, if we we have specific athletes, specific teams, I want to see what's going on. I'll probably watch that. I I can't. I can't quite wash my hands of it completely. I'll admit, but I, I think. Oh, I can. We go back to this. We go back to this selective yeah. outrage bit. Um, and you know, I know, I know we probably will talk a little bit more about this too. But you know what the uh, the that one minority owner of the Golden State Warriors said about yeah. basically not caring about what's happening to the Uyghurs in China. Welcome back, um, Chamath Pollyup. Oh, sorry about that. I was trying to pull that up, guys. Uh, I'll get that that soundbite. Uh, but I think it's you know sometimes people speak the truth um, without meaning to, and you find out what what's you know the thought process really is going on uh, behind the scenes with with people or with businesses, um, business relationships, all that kind of stuff. And I think that spoke volumes about the NBA and its relationship to social justice issues and to China. And I think the same goes with um, with how we view the Olympics. It's like China does a really a better job than most countries of hiding what really goes on within its borders. And so I think it's easier to not see the whole picture because you have to look to find it and you have to rely on people who are risking everything to get information out of there. Mm. And I think a lot of our media companies have, um, we'll just say there's Chinese influence with dollars there too. Oh, a lot. So it's really difficult it um, to find out what really is happening in these camps, um, in these scientific facilities. I mean, I, I think the, the whole controversy over the orig origins of COVID-19, whether it came out of a lab, whether it was manufactured or natural, all that stuff, the Chinese have not been open about any of that. And when I say the Chinese, of course, I mean the Chinese Communist Party. Thank you, Brent. Um, the CC, well, it's, you have billions of people that are under the thumb of this, of, of this, of the, the party. And so we shouldn't take lightly about the fact that what we hear from them, what we see for them is largely not real. 
and this the Olympics are just one more way that they project an image onto the world that has very little to do with what most of the people there live under. And we're not hearing it. And uh, when we do, we just don't care. And I, uh, since you brought it up, I wanted to talk about uh, Shamath Palihapitiya, uh, who is a part owner of the Golden State Warriors. If you haven't seen it, and you can tune into our Thursday broadcast where we talk with uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein about this very issue of what's going on in China and why we should care, especially as people of faith. Uh, here is what uh, Palihapitiya had to say it is shocking yeah nobody cares about what's happening to the weakers okay you you bring it up because you really what? care and i think what that's do you mean nice nobody that you cares? care the rest of us don't care i'm just well, telling really you a care? very hard Wait, I'm you're telling saying you, you personally very, don't care i'm telling you a very hard ugly truth okay of all the things that i care about yes it is below my line uh, what the heck it's below my line okay but it's not below your bottom dollar and and that's kind of the issue when you don't care uh Golden State Warriors uh, put out a statement. Well, we we disagree with his opinion, but they didn't say what the opinion was. And you can't say it's because they're not, they're apolitical, because, you know, the NBA has their Social Justice Coalition executive director released a statement about Kyle Rittenhouse on that verdict. And boy, they went all out and they said, you know, vigilantism in any form is unacceptable in our society. They came out strong. The NBA is very woke. You have Black Lives Matter and all kinds of social justice uh, messages painted on the the actual courts. The NBA says it's committed to social justice everywhere. But as Josh pointed out, when it comes to the bottom line, it is not something they care about. It's way below their radar. So it's this, again, because we're told to be upset about those things. We're told that these are the issues that we need to be upset about. They're politicized, they're pumped out, and they're profited off of. That's why we see it in our advertisements now, where companies try to advertise their social justice. They try to, as part of their marketing campaigns, this is and this is money that is not budgeted for, for social justice. Let's be clear here. This is dollars that they have allocated for marketing. Their marketing materials include social justice because they look to profit off of what social justice they can. It's not that the company actually cares. It's that they know that there's a segment of people that will buy from them if they say that they care. Whereas the, and they don't think that there's a segment of people that will buy from them if they say they care about actual human atrocities happening in China. Well, yeah, because that's ugly. And heads, uh, did you guys see this? I, I'm looking at the Olympic rings. If you're watching the the video uh, at my Michelle Live of all those beautiful colors of the Olympic rings behind our contributor Garrick Ping, and it almost reminds me if they were filled in and they had little faces and M and M on it, it would be M and M's. And did you hear the story? Now M and M's uh, co-parent their. Uh, their parent company, Mars, is a big contributor of the Olympics. They uh, have spoken out on a lot of issues. They're very woke uh, when it came to the climate, um, the climate summit just last year. They were they were making some pretty big statements, but where China's concerned and the Olympics, shh, they're quiet. What they are woke about, as Josh was pointing out in their advertising dollars, the green M&M, no longer going to wear go-go boots, right? Sneakers. That's a little less less feminine and, and a little more inclusive. The red M&M, we don't want those red M&Ms being mean anymore. You know, save that for the white M&Ms, which they don't have. They're not in there anyways. Uh, he's not going to be mean anymore. And the brown M&M, no longer Miss Brown, gender neutral. We are caring about cartoon characters representing M&Ms, but they're strangely silent on the amount of coal factories that China has doubled uh, for issues concerning the environment and the Uyghurs. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. it plays into what you're I saying. Mean even even issues close to home, if we really cared about awful, awful issues, 
then in, instead of worrying so much about all these little hurting people's feelings things so much, like, why don't we talk more about sex trafficking? Why don't we talk more about child trafficking? These are all real issues that happen in real U.S. cities every single day. Like, this is not an issue that, just, and like, for instance, we had 24-7 coverage of Kyle Rittenhouse's trial. We have had only nominal coverage of the whole Jeffrey Epstein trial. Like it was streamed every day live. Everyone was talking about Kyle Rittenhouse, but why don't we know more about the, the Epstein trial and the sex trafficking that they're associated with? Why aren't we not, not more outraged about that? Yeah. Why aren't we not actually fixing these issues that are legitimately destroying lives? I and mean, not to belittle anyone else's issues that may be legitimate, but that like we're so caught up in hurting people's feelings with M&Ms. Like, I don't care if they change the M&Ms. I really don't. But to me, it's silly that there's all of this effort going into it when there's these horrendous issues happening right here in Seattle, you know, in, in Texas, in New York, in, in, in every state in America, really, every major city has these issues that we ignore because we're not told to be outraged about them. Well, Michelle, you, you have to issue a statement later saying that Josh's opinions are his own just because the M&Ms are below his line. Uh, <laughs> they, they are below my line. That is, I, 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 that's what I, should I, be below someone's line. I'm much, right? more, I'm much more concerned about the M&M that I self-identified as a Skittle. I'm really concerned. <laughs> now that there is a, a problem. There's a great Babylon, video, Babylon B video on that if you haven't seen it. <laughs> no, I'll have to look that one up. And and that's where the issue is, is that if you're just a company and you're just selling your goods, fine. But when you start playing the woke game and your worldview and your portrayal is inconsistent, there is a problem. If you're just strangely silent with what's going on in China, then shut the freaking heck up where everything else is concerned. And uh, China is now demanding that the U.S end its interference in the Beijing Olympics. Stop trying to boycott. We are demanding that you back the heck off. What are you kidding me? So while everyone else is playing this game, I am telling you, no, I am not interested in watching the Olympics. And I don't want to hear from the woke athletes that stand uh, up on the podium and turn their back on the national anthem because we're such a bad country as they're getting their medal placed around their neck in a country that it, it has internment camps and openly supports torturing people. So there you go. That's where we're at. Um, and it's a big issue. It really is a big issue. But let's turn it to something a little more fun. Championship Sunday! From 32 <laughs> to the final four of football. Gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen uh, who are watching, this is where it gets, I was going to say, this is where it gets really exciting, but I am not going to lie. Last weekend was, some are, are hailing it as the best weekend in football. It was so freaking entertaining. It's going to be pretty hard to top that. I know. <laughs> it really that was, is. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So and I, unfortunately, I don't think it is going to top it just based on the teams that are in. No, I, there's just no way. That was yeah, so but entertaining. It, it, but to be fair. To be fair, the, the Saturday games last week, Green Bay and San Francisco, you, you look at that, that you, did not expect, yeah. you didn't expect that. True. Mm -hmm. And that, that was not start to finish. It wasn't the best game. But I, I said to my wife, like five minutes before it happened, I said, the only way that San Francisco has a chance is if they score defensively. And I almost was right. It was a blocked punt that tied it up. And then it was just like, oh, my gosh, they really could do this. They have been totally outplayed. They don't belong in the same field with the Packers and they might win this game. And sure enough, I know they did. And you it's, know. you know, and uh, the Rams and the 49ers, seriously, I don't like either of those teams. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's for me, it's going to be Chiefs or Bengals that I'm going to be rooting for. But I, I'm kind of pulling for the Bengals. I mean, when you put it in perspective, um, it was Yahoo Sports, I believe, that said last time you saw the Bengals uh, reaching reaching this far into the championship, Faith by George Michael was number one on the billboard. <laughs> and yeah, this is serious. It was 1989. Five of the players on the 53-man roster weren't even freaking born yet. 
Well, the, the other one that struck made that strike home for me was, was someone said, well, today's the first time that anyone's ever texted that the Bengals won a playoff game. <laughs> Dude, that's true. I yeah, mean, well, last yeah. time they were so in the playoffs. This is the first time in my entire life it, I've ever witnessed it. So. I was going to say that. I was like, this is even before Joshua's time. There was football before you were born, Josh. Allegedly, I cannot confirm. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny that. Uh, but let's let's break down a little bit of what happened last weekend. Oh my gosh! So a bunch of firsts and some really interesting turns of play. Tom Brady was called for unsportsmanlike conduct uh, for a penalty for the first time in his NFL career. Josh. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out uh, he is human. And honestly, there's been a lot of times where I thought he probably should have gotten flagged for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, but he seems to have a, a pass from the refs most of the time. So it's good to see them actually actually call something on it. I mean, he he's a great quarterback. Give him his dues, but he's been part of a lot of, uh, I don't know, questionable questionable occurrences in the NFL. I'll say that. But maybe, maybe it's one of those things, you know, you uh, – you either die hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, and this has been going around the internet. Mark safe from having to watch Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. So <laughs> that's it. you know, in a way, I was kind of pulling for him because I I have a feeling that this may be the end of of his career. There, and that's another big story that comes out of last week. Ben uh, Rothberger uh, retires after 18 seasons with the Steelers. Uh, Finally. Tom Brady is questioning, you know, maybe he will retire and everyone's weighing in and saying, hey, he's 44. He's had a great career. You know, they they make more than, you know, most small countries in the Brady household. Just let it go, buddy. Um, and then we have uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams that are, say, that are said to allegedly be looking at the Broncos for a, a little trade. So they want to do a Gronk Brady kind of a thing going on there right um so kind of kind of a, a lot of shakeups after last weekend as well well i think Roth roethlisberger stayed a year too long okay I, that that was clear um you know it's kind of nice that he got his farewell tour they got a playoff game in but he was not the same <laughs> really the last two that. years he really wasn't the same the same guy that he had been um i think i, I think that with with roethlisberger i just in stuff I've read, there's been a lot of maturity, though, what, more maturity with him as a person. Um, and um, he's talked more about having um, some turnaround in his life because of, because of faith and, and Christ and stuff. And there was some ugly stuff early on in his NFL career. So, you know, of course, you don't know how much you can believe what you read. But from what I understand, I think that he's set up for um, – for you know having some positive influence going forward that's, that's um, always good brady you know i mean i think it's totally in his 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 in his his, his hands what to do because he's still um still one of the top quarterbacks in the game even at his age you know you you want to have him behind a good offensive line because you don't want him getting hit a whole lot but um you know that was that was some kind of comeback they pulled off with the rams help um, last week, but, uh, he's, you know, he's still got it. And so does Rogers. You know, I don't think Rogers is retiring. I don't think he'll be back at green Bay, but, uh, I think, for, I think he's the least likely to, to hang it up. I think he still, uh, feels like he has a lot to accomplish as far as wanting to get back to a super bowl. And, um, he's got now some connections in Denver. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, yeah. And that'll open things up in the NFC a little bit more for our Seahawks too. If Aaron Rodgers is gone, oh, well, I mean, look on. at look at the whole of the NFC. Look at like Aaron Rodgers might be gone. Uh, Peyton, Sean Payton is retiring from coaching for the Saints. I mean, you just the there's whole doors wide open. The Cardinals look like I don't man. The Cardinals looked really bad. They looked really, really bad in the playoffs. They're just a great team in the first and, half of the season. Well, and <laughs> the thing is, like, they're probably going to get rid of their coach. I mean, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, he's a great offensive mind, but I don't think he's a good head coach. I don't think, like, 
I don't think he's a culture setter for that team. You know, he just looks like he's locked into what the offense is doing on the field, but he's not, it doesn't seem like he's really like giving the team a direction. You know, and I talked about before how uh, Kyler Murray, his body language, you know, who, who builds that example of how you need to act on field is the coach. I don't think he does that. I don't think he builds a culture. And to me, building culture is at least half the job of a head coach, if not more, you know, I mean, maybe more like 70%, to be honest, like you kind of guide the direction of the team, but your O coordinator and your D coordinator, usually those are the guys that their, their jobs to be locked into the X's and O's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, uh, I think they're going to have to get a new coach this offseason, I think is likely to happen so they can figure out what's going on before they have to make a decision on whether Kyler Murray is number one, which, by the way, uh, Arizona Sports Station, which is the actual name of the uh, ESPN station in Arizona, they put out a poll asking what they think, what people think of Kyler Murray. And it is exactly split three way tie last time I looked of uh, 30 some percent saying number one QB for sure. The next percent saying, I have no idea. The other, the next question being, get him out of here. So (laughs) no one knows there's confusion. And like the Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo is, I mean, they need to figure out their quarterback situation. They're lucky they were able to win. We saw what happened to a good team in the Tennessee Titans. If you Mm -hmm. don't have a franchise quarterback, you know, they Mm -hmm. lost the game with nine sacks. They sacked the opposing QB nine times, yeah. and they lost and they that game. Lost. Yeah. Three interceptions is no. worse than nine sacks. There's no yeah. doubt. <laughs> the NFC looks wide open, and the Seahawks look just a, just a touch away from getting there. You know, we let Ken Norton go. I think that needed to happen as much as people like him. I think he's a better uh, linebackers coach than a D coordinator. He's been decidedly average, and we can do better than that. They're, they have – a great, great offensive weapons. I think they need a little, just a little tweak to the O-line. You know, I really liked what we saw from our O-line towards the end of the year, especially when we got those young guys playing. I would like to see a new center here and re-sign Penny. Hopefully Carson gets healthy. Maybe bring in one other back. Bring back Adrian Peterson as the running back coach, please. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you got some decisions to make on defense. Got a lot of free agents to, you know, bring back and some other decisions. But, you know, I, I think that the Seahawks really have an opportunity to be right there in this thing and really take it over. Because despite the record, the Seahawks were 100% better at the end of the year than probably four or five teams that actually were in the playoffs. Yeah, well, well and you, yeah. you look at you look at the fact they beat the, the beat the 49ers twice. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have beaten the Rams in one of those games. I mean, this division is brutal. So you've got to be at the top of your game. But at the same time, when you look at it in the context of Russell Wilson, really, you didn't have the Russell Wilson of old for half the season mm-hmm. um, between the games he actually missed and the games that he wasn't 100 percent yet. Um, I, I, they definitely have some work to do. They definitely need to, I think they need to work on that O-line and they, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see what a new defensive coordinator does. But I also think that they're not terribly far away. Um, I think it says a lot about the leadership in the locker room and about Pete Carroll, that they didn't lose everybody, you know, when they were what, three and eight, mm-hmm. that, it could have gone off the rails and collapsed real fast. And well, you, you know, the fact that they didn't, they were still playing at the end as if they were in the playoff hunt says everything about. Yeah, what, yeah, but they did make it and room. I don't care. Well, exactly. Compare that to the Cardinals. The, the, the last game of the season, no playoff implications. People were excited. They were cheering. They were going for it. They were playing hard and they put their heart on the line. The Cardinals gave up after like half a quarter. And you saw Kyler Murray like looking defeated every time he had to go on the field. I mean, that that's a huge difference. That's culture. That's what Pete Carroll brings. That's why anyone who says that we should get rid of Pete Carroll is out of their freaking mind. <laughs> Say <laughs> how you mean it, Josh. Say what you mean. This is something else that I wanted to talk about. Uh, just changing, changing the topic just a bit. Well, not the topic, but where we're going with it. Guys, uh, this is huge. Overtime rules. Now, that dueling mayhem between the Bills and the Chief, Chiefs was – those last two minutes were crazy. It was awesome to watch the going back and forth. But the NFL is the only, the only sports outlet where – you could win based on the toss of a coin. Seriously. The 
they go into overtime. You know, okay, NHL, you uh, in the game in the tie, you've got five minutes to go back and forth, and you know if you score, you win. Um, you have a soccer where you you could have uh, twenty extra minutes, or you could have shootouts. What should we do with the NFL? Because I just think that is it, it's crappy to not say okay, we're going to have we're going to be on the field. My suggestion: you're, we're going to be on the field. And each offense gets a gets a go. And if you're at a tie, well, then we're going to get a go. I don't know. Maybe we could have kickoffs, something to see who can shoot them through the uprights. I don't know. But what worked there doesn't really work in real life. Yeah, someone made the point. Literally, beer pong has better overtime rules than NFL football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and Garrick will tell you this. I. Every time there's some sort of overtime that involves a gimmick to me, I just I just rant about it. I do not like shootouts. I mean, they're exciting, but I don't think they're the game. If you say you had game seven of the NBA finals and you decided it with a free throw contest, that's what we see. That's that's what the penalty kick shootout is to me in soccer. That's what this I mean, the college rules, they kind of had it right. Mm. Start the 25 yard line, at least you play the regular game. Well, now after two extra sessions, you end up going for two point conversions ad nauseum. It's ridiculous. Yeah. If you want to start the 25 or maybe the NFL, you want to start the 40, 40. yard line. I'm thinking 40. Give everybody, but equal possessions. That's yeah. like a requirement. I can't imagine, you know, say you're playing a playoff baseball game and you go through somebody, you know, you give up three runs in the bottom, bottom of the ninth and they, some team comes up in the 10th. And hits a home run, and they said decide the game's over without the home team having a chance to bat. Yeah, right. it's the same. It's the same <laughs> exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's you know this game just highlighted a systemic problem with how they handle overtime, Absolutely. where we really got robbed. I don't have of seeing Josh Allen come out and answer what you know answer that. Exactly. I I have no problem though with the shootout after you've played a you know you've played your obligatory twenty minutes and you're still at the end. I'm fine with it. You know, it is almost by chance. But uh, but I yeah, I, I mean I, I would at least like to see a, a like an overtime period, and then yes. if the overtime period comes and you have no winner, then sure go to a shootout like yeah. you know to actually end the game at some point. But yeah. I, yeah. yeah, that was. I, I I hear what Brent's saying too. It, but going back to last Sunday's game, it was just such an amazing end to that game, and then it was just like, wah, wah, wah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it was so anticlimactic. It was it was really it's, sad. It's disappointing. Yeah. And you're I think sitting that... there, you know, wishing, it, it, not really caring who wins the game, and hoping that the first team with the ball kicks a field goal so the game can t- can continue. You know, yeah. that, to me, that that tells you what where the problem is. It's Indeed. like if they if they don't even get a chance to have the ball. At, Disappointing. It's not right. um, I want to uh, just a few NHL news stories. Uh, COVID is hitting the 99 percent vaccinated uh, NHL pretty hard. Uh, Buffalo Sabres may not have a healthy goalkeeper for Saturday night. Michael Hauser has been added to COVID protocol. Um, Edmonton Oilers, another COVID issue. They're. Um, they have signed, uh, did a kind of controversial signing of Evander Kane because he was kind of let go of the shark from the sharks. They said he breached his contract, breaking COVID protocols. But the NHL said, uh, "Yeah, we found insufficient evidence." So, uh, COVID is kind of a big deal in the NHL, and yet everybody seems to be vaccinated. So it's kind of disappointing. Um, yeah, there was something that I, I wanted to show. Uh, before we talk about soccer because this is why it's hard for me to go from watching hockey and as much as I love soccer sorry Garrick sometimes it's hard when they play so hard they get in in scuffles and then you go to watch soccer and someone doesn't even hit them and they're laying on the ground crying for their mom Uh, take take a little look at this this is from my Seattle crack and I was uh, I was watching this game this was he'll collect it hit hard by Racco Gudis Aaronek Blad. Oh, now they're going at it. Pass out the center, picked off by Hayden Fleury. Everly at the line. Here we go. Yanni Gord and Rakko Gudis. <laughs> this is literally 
come on. In the size, refs are hanging out. It's a They've got the gloves off. They're getting ready. Not. Oh, my gosh. He's like twice his size. But nonetheless, there you go. Seriously, guys. So we go from. Gorin tries to fight back. We go from this to uh, soccer. Uh, it's it's a little bit difficult, you know. Am I giving? Am am, am I not giving soccer? It's it's due, guys. Uh, <laughs> you are absolutely very justified in what you say. Um, thankfully, it's th- like with VAR you get on now, the pitch um, and you should you fall on the pitch. I think you need to hand over your man card. Well. It's it's one of those things with VAR now. I think it it helps because you can see when someone's. It's much more no, obvious when wait, someone. Wait wait a minute. Swapping. Let's let's just go right to the U.S. men's national team one nil over El Salvador, um, but there were still some really wonky calls of you know where someone didn't even touch her within two feet of a player, but he falls down on the ground, and so yeah, it's a foul right there. You know, it didn't affect the game, but. You know that's they have VAR now in these in the in uh, the world stage where they hadn't before they made you know okay now it's VAR still come on yeah it it, it it's unfortunately it's become very much a part of the game and and I'm a forward so I get fouled all the time and and usually I will do everything I can to keep my feet and especially, you know, get in there and try and score a goal. And, and you've lost that guys will get just barely nudged or bumped in the penalty area, especially, and and they'll go down in hopes that they'll get a a foul call. And so it, in the U S game, actually, I mean, there's a situation uh, early on in the match last night where, um, where one of our players was going through the box and he, legitimately could have gone down but he decided to continue his run unfortunately put the ball over the the crossbar and he he had uh he, he could have legitimately gone down and gotten a foul call but he chose to kept keep going and and unfortunately didn't score but um but yeah that that's one of the things that just annoys the heck out of me about it's, soccer it's i was actually playing reffing. a game last night it's bad reffing because it shouldn't matter if he goes down and starts to pee himself that, <laughs> you know, it's still a foul, whether there's urination or not. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, soccer has the rules of soccer um, set that up in a way because there's what's known as the advantage rule. So that if someone commits a foul, you know, they, they can continue the play. And if the team, um, has an advantage they'll let it go now the good thing that more recently what they do is that if there was a legitimate foul that happened before and the team actually does not gain an advantage they will call it back and call a foul yeah so it's um yeah it's it is hard and it is as josh has pointed out and if you're new to a sports timeout josh has said it really well it's difficult uh, for the american audience when we're trying to build uh, M- major league soccer where we're trying to create even though every kid you know would seem in america as you know on a soccer team building soccer in the u.s has been difficult and it's for that very reason for bad calls oh, for whiny, whiny little players, you know, falling all over the field. It's hard to watch. When you're watching, you know, Yanni Gord try to take someone on that's twice his size on, uh, size on the ice and they're going at it bare fist and you're like, come on. Yeah, you know, it's hard. Just say. Well, that's one of the issues. I, I wouldn't say that's the main reason. I mean, it's it's all about the money in the U.S. I mean, of course, soccer... and we know it's competing with a lot of other sports. But come on, you can't you can't downplay it. It is hard for people who watch uh, football, rugby, hockey. Americans you know, where people are rugby. going head to head and beating the crap out of each other to watch <laughs> to watch. You well, know, I, grown I, men. I I do think though that when you see those things happen. Like when you see that happen in a football game, if 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 a if a team is playing with an up tempo offense, and all of a sudden, some defensive player is walking back to the huddle, and all of a sudden, realizes, oh, we don't have time to sub anybody. I'm going to fall down and grab his knee, and then you know, 
it happens there too. It does. And those sports it and NBA has had to put in all sorts yeah. of anti-flapping rules because they're. Yeah, the, you noticed become, I didn't mention the it's NBA because they're not Almost as big so a problem in basketball as as in soccer, but I think they've done. These other sports have been a little more proactive in addressing, um, in addressing preventing that because certainly in, in the U.S. maybe less and less now depending on how our culture goes, but in the U.S. that kind of thing hasn't been acceptable on field behavior. Well, there you go. Hey, one final issue before we get to our final shot is uh, we want to bring in, especially Josh, as he's he's our resident baseball expert. Uh, the M- Major League Baseball, a couple of news stories, one kind of minor. They're not going to be requiring uh, vaccines for minor leaguers. So you start to see the, the tide changing with our vaccine obsession. Not. Right? <laughs> they don't even pay those guys enough to live right now. <laughs> <laughs> and but the other issue is the baseball hall of fame david ortiz got like 77 almost 78 percent of the vote um pretty impressive i mean he's even okay. outperformed edgar martinez but then there's the other side of the people who didn't get in barry bonds roger clemens because they were uh denied over suspicion that they use performance enhancing drugs so that's that's a huge story guys these guys uh, these guys have stats that blow your mind and have done incredible things and we're saying "Ah," you know is that another issue of selective outrage yes i think this is evidence that the baseball writers association is the is the inventor of cancel culture Ooh, that's a- <laughs> they well seriously when they look at the way i mean hey pete rose gambled on that was baseball writers aren't the ones who banned pete rose from the game but pete rose gambled on the game bad but does that mean you erase what he accomplished on the field apparently it does so all these things like never happened and it's exactly the sort, sort of stuff we've seen with this whole cancel culture trend in our society as well. Somebody wasn't perfect or they didn't live up to this specific standard. So we're going to like completely erase what they did. Contribute. Okay. So what's next? Are we going to say they're not, they weren't vaccinated, so they don't get to be in the hall of fame. I mean, or yeah. they, they voted the you get wrong the shot. Way, no hall of fame. You don't get the and... shot. Also no hall of fame. Right. <laughs> Just say it, you know, okay. and that's a, that's a legitimate issue. Should Bonds and Clemens be uh, in the Hall of Fame? Well, they, they've already gotten rejected in their 10th and final year, so it's never going to happen. Yeah, okay. Let me back up for a second, and I'm going to get to that. But first, I have to tackle something that really bugs me. I love Ortiz. Don't get me wrong. I love Ortiz. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. But... How do you know how frustrating it is that he gets in his first year basically as a designated hitter when Edgar Martinez had to wait all these years to get in there? Like his last year of eligibility, they finally slip him into the Hall of Fame, you know, barely making it past on the vote. We had to have a whole whole thing where we're pushing and pushing for him. There's an entire Mm -hmm. campaign on Twitter and David Ortiz just gets to, you know, just just walks in. I mean, if this isn't an example of East Coast bias, I don't know what is. And the the good way to look at this, the way I'm trying to stay positive is that Edgar Martinez paved the path. He finally convinced them that that yes, designated hitters should indeed be in the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. because they're designated hitters because they're some of the best hitters in freaking baseball. You don't have to be an A-plus defender to get into the Hall of Fame. Anyway, they need to get that off my chest before I go anywhere else with this. Feeling better, Josh? No. Um, <laughs> but now in terms of Barry Bonds and all this, you know, I I cannot give them any credence when people like Alex Rodriguez are out there who admitted in court to performance enhancing yep. drugs and no one cares about him being in there. They just have to find if they if they didn't let anyone in who used performance enhancing drugs, one, there'd be a lot fewer people in the Hall of Fame. Um Two, I could give them some credence on this, but the fact that they they have to choose like a scapegoat that they're not going to let into the hall to make them say that they're bringing integrity to the game somehow is that's where this all becomes a joke. It's a complete joke unless you're removing everyone who's done performance enhancing drugs from the hall of fame, you know, put an asterisk by there, say like he made these records, he did 
performance enhancing drugs. You know, fine. There but you go. You, that's, you that's, can't, boom. Um, unless you're going to remove everyone, don't remove him. <laughs> don't well, remove these you guys. Go. Again, you know? it's like the theme of the day, selective outrage, whether it's for the Olympics and turning a blind eye, I don't the see what's guy. going on over here, or it's uh, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We have an inconsistency in our outrage, and it, it just comes off as hypocrisy. Guys, it is time for us to take our final, final shot. It's a quick shout out to an idea, a person uh, as we go around the round table. Now, I have word that I always call on Brent Baker when he's not ready, but (laughs) you sent a message and said, I'm preparing my final shot just before the show. So I'm going to assume that you're ready to go, buddy. I forgot. No. (laughs) (laughs) So this is kind of painful from my Seahawk band perspective. However, I'm going to give my final shots to Matthew Stafford, the Rams quarterback, excuse me, who was basically stuck in purgatory for his entire career in Detroit for years and years and years. He had all sorts of fourth quarter comebacks there, which were caused by the fact that his team around him was lousy, like completely lousy, except when he had a Hall of Fame receiver to throw to, but he didn't have an offensive line. They didn't have a defense. So he gets traded to the Rams. And, um, you know, not only have they now won two playoff games with him, but um, the way he responded after the rest of the team collapsed around him in the second half of that game, I mean, they, they gave up, what, four fumbles in the last, you know, quarter plus two minutes of that game and blew a 21-point lead. And he comes out with, what, 30 seconds left, and people are thinking they're playing for overtime, and he Hume hits – uh, Prosser product, Cooper Cup twice. Prosser Washington, a wide that's where open Cooper Cup, Cup is from. A wide open, but also one time under a full blitz. But at the same time, he made those plays one. Um, yeah, I also have a soft spot for him because of what he's gone through with his wife. She had a brain tumor and all sorts of complications from, from that surgery a few years ago. Um, I think it gave him some perspective on life. Um, and she was struggling with her health in, in similar ways to my, as my wife was at the time. So mm. um, just for all they've been through and f- both on and off the field, for him to have that moment to me was, was pretty cool. I like it. Uh, Josh, give us your final shot. All right. Well, today's an angry day for Josh, so we're just going to keep up with that. Um, <laughs> my family shout, shout out goes to Mina Kimes, local Seattle reporters on the national stage often. She has to deal with a ridiculous amount of hate, and she she is the only reason I'm rooting for the Rams this weekend because former 49ers quarterback Jeff Garcia, which she she mentioned how Jimmy Garoppolo is basically riding along with the team as they've made this playoff run, which I think is absolutely true. He has not played well. The rest of the team has been playing really well, and he's like been doing just enough to not let them lose, like. <laughs> that just enough she pointed this out and he said who the hell is mina kimes and when is the last time she threw a touchdown pass in the game never ever has no. she taken a snap or can truly understand the ability the mindset the physical and mental toughness that it takes to play the qb position or any nfl position the fact that there are people out there given a platform to talk about something that they have never done is hilarious and that's how you have to look at her she's a joke he, he goes on wow um but honestly, uh, let me let, take this as a shot, Jeff Garcia. The only reason anyone thought you were good is because T.O. was on your team. So go sit down. <laughs> like, how about you not talk about anything else other than football for the rest of your life? We'll say that, you know, you probably didn't have to go to the grocery store very much since you've made millions of dollars. So don't talk about groceries. <laughs> like, yep. you're banned. You're done. Sit down, son. That's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Thank God and for T.O. for the reason that you had any career. Wow. Jeez, ouch. Embarrassing. Garrick Payne, final shot us. I think you're muted, my friend. You're, you're muted. I am muted. My dogs were barking in the background, so I thought. <laughs> News with this. They were mad at Jeff Garcia. Yeah, they were. And, and can you blame them? <laughs> so my final shot goes to a true goat, 
at least in my opinion. Um, and for those of you who don't know, GOAT stands for greatest of all time. Uh, this particular athlete is uh, what we might consider pride of the Northwest, um, top of the game. Uh, so she was, and probably is to still today considered one of the greatest American soccer players of all time, um, Michelle Akers. Um, some of you know that um, she's also battled, you know, Brent, you're talking about the personal side of the story. She battled chronic fatigue and, and was still one of the top players. She, she's been very relevant uh, in, in the world in terms of what she's done with equine rescue, uh, working with horses and things like that. Um, she was all set to pack up and move to Bend, Oregon from uh, where she was living in Georgia. And Amanda Cromwell called her um, and said, will you come coach with me at the Orlando Pride? And so on Wednesday, um, Michelle Akers decided not to come back to the Northwest, but rather um, go back down to Florida where she had played um, before in, in Orlando and, uh, and take a position on the coaching staff. So uh, my hat goes off to Michelle Akers uh, and congratulations on, a, on just being an amazing person. She's a person of faith and integrity and um, she, she is truly one of the greatest of all time. So uh, Michelle, congratulations and all the best to you and uh, the Orlando Pride. Well put. Uh, and uh, speaking of faith, I want to give a shout out to the Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson. He uh, gives God glory after making the game winning kick over the Titans. Um, and I guess I bring it back to faith because uh, that's what's inspiring. You know, the ugliness of you've never picked up a ball before, you know, <laughs> you know, that's just ugly. But when you see someone that stands in faith, it is glorious. Um, I also bring it up because now Bengals are are the team I'm pulling for. Yeah, can, yeah. can we all agree that that's the only team we want to win out of everyone that's left? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So like, go Bengals. The and, only one. Uh, we'll say an extra prayer for you. Hey, uh, the faith story is part of my Michelle Live. Um, it is what gets you through the to the victories, and it is what sees you through the defeats in life. There is nothing more important than winning at the game of life, and you do that with an eternal victory through Jesus Christ, and that's what it's all about. And I want to thank you all for joining me, the guys on the team. We will catch you next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. You can always go to MyMichelleLive.com. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.